0: Welcome everybody to the 45th episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host
1: Manny. And I'm your host Simon. Manny, I hope you had a fantastic Christmas and holidays. How was
0: it? It was actually very nice, very nice. I had a uh, little trip to uh, Louisiana. My uh, parents live there, my sister-brother-in-law and the Niffy and a niece live down there as well and um, so we kind of spent the holidays together. It's been a yearly sort of tradition and um what's great is that uh my brother-in-law my sister's husband his family and i and my parents have become very gotten very close the last 10 12 years since they've been married and um his sister hosts an annual christmas eve dinner every year and it's incredible like she let me just say something about louisiana they know how to fucking cook <laughs> They know how to cook. As much as I can understand what they're saying half the time. <laughs> Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm ready to eat. <laughs> I don't know if that's boudin, oysters, gumbo, or jambalaya. I don't know what you're saying, but I know it's going to taste good. No, I mean, it's just, it's it's incredible. Like, they, I mean, every year the, the, the situation is that they make this really nice beef tenderloin. They smoke it, and then they grill it or whatnot, sear it off. And then they make these sides that are just incredible like this do you know what dressing is dressing what
1: is it is it a concept or is it a no, particular so, kind of dressing no
0: like so when you hear somebody say hey we're going to be serving dressing for dinner today what do you think as an englishman i was thinking why are they giving me a plate of mayonnaise <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the south <laughs> dressing is a for is a side the misnomer in the u.s is we talk about a side dish when it comes to thanksgiving and christmas is dressing versus stuffing Stuffing is something that you actually would stuff in a turkey or a chicken or some sort of carcass, and it's a bread-based side dish. It's like chopped up bread, and you add any sort of spices or yep. herbs or whatever and a meat or something like that. But in the South, we call it dressing. We do. And it's 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 difficult because when you think of dressing like as a European or somebody from England or even parts of the U.S., you think like salad dressing, you know, like ranch, Thousand Island or something like that. No, no. In the South, dressing is a side dish that you serve – as accompaniment to any sort of meat, whether it's ham, turkey, mm. beef tenderloin, or something like that. And they make this oyster dressing that is amazing. It's just like oysters that they grill, they shuck, they grill, or whatnot, and they put it in this incredible bread mixture with ham and different spices, herbs. They have this, um, it's like this Cajun, so when you think about the French, a mirepoix, they, what are they, it's like celeries, onions, and carrots, or something like that? Something you know? like that, yeah. Yeah, in in, in, in the South, in louisiana their sort of trinity is onions bell peppers and celery so it's that mixture with bread and whatever it's so good i have to make it for you one day it's delicious i would love that and
1: matt this is also doubling up as manny's cooking podcast yeah, exactly as well. exactly, exactly. His, yeah. Um, yeah it's interesting actually i went to louisiana in 2009 mm. i did like this road trip where i went from coast to coast of the usa on my own when i just graduated university and my favorite place was New Orleans. I went there. I got there just after Mardi Gras finished so All the craziness had just ended. But just what an amazing, interesting place and the food. Are you right? It's just absolutely incredible. And yeah, I always say to when because I've done quite a lot of traveling across the US before I moved here. And people always say to me, which is your favorite city in America? And it's New Orleans by far. Yeah, no, I love it. And then Christmas Day
0: was awesome. I spent it with uh, my brother-in-law's dad and his his, uh, wife. And uh, they had another great setup, a great meal. Smoked a turkey, another beef tenderloin, ham, a bunch of different sides. But this, this dressing was cornbread dressing. Oh, man. Yeah, it said so instead of oysters, they used cornbread, and it was delicious nonetheless. It was so good. And then we had pecan pie. We had pumpkin pie, we had apple pie, we had a bunch of homemade cookies. It was just all... I mean, it's gluttonous. It was gluttonous. It's what, it is what it I is. I mean, no
1: one does Christmas yeah, to be healthy, Yeah, and I think right? I
0: needed it, right? Except for that Christmas Eve debacle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, Wolverhampton. I actually watched that game on the flight from oh. Nashville down to New Orleans Southwest. Luckily, no plug for them, but they had USA Network streaming online, and I was literally... Like, they almost had to call, you know, TSA or whatnot, like this unrelieved passenger on the jet. <laughs> he's, he, throwing things, yeah, he's throwing yelling things. he's throwing things getting at the upset in injury time, giving up a goal. And scoring—it's just yelling, why, uh, did you, why didn't yeah, you pass it, Sterling? Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, mate? Come on, Nico, what are you doing? Just yelling, oh, my God, it was ridiculous. It was just, uh, it was a terrible beginning to the Christmas holiday in terms of Chelsea but today was nice we were at the pub you missed it but I was at the pub and yeah. had, we had a pretty good showing I literally were taping right after the Crystal Palace Chelsea game um, and we had a really really good showing. we had some people from Washington DC down
1: oh amazing
0: for the game yeah three three friends obviously came down for the weekend and they were talking about how that was they were surprised how many Chelsea fans were in Nashville and they're like this is amazing you know this we don't get this in DC and yeah. so it was pretty cool
1: yeah, I mean we've got some exciting things to share for people who are non Nashville residents about, yeah, exactly. about April time for Nashville. But yeah, it's it's always amazing to see. We always have people from different cities coming to the pub for the for the games at Tailgate, which is, is awesome to see awesome to see. And yeah, it's been a, fair to say it's been a roller coaster couple of days as a Chelsea fan. I think you said to me before, don't let whatever happened in the Wolves game ruin your Christmas. I did, I, like, I did. That was like a very prophetic thing to say. Yeah, because- that was a physician in me.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you knew know me too well that yeah. it was
1: going to ruin my Christmas. But, you know, I, I had a very nice low-key one with my family here, so... It didn't completely ruin it, but it tried to. Chelsea really tried to ruin my emotions. Did so. Santa
0: bring you everything you wanted for Christmas? Simon? No, he
1: brought me Raheem Sterling. <laughs> Did he get another yellow card? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I mean, to be fair, his yellow card today meant that he didn't play, which is a is a bonus and a good Christmas present that every Chelsea fan, I'm sure, can appreciate. Yeah, that was so. a
0: pretty, pretty pathetic attempt at a shot on that game against Where Wolves. W- and I think it just changed. I think we should probably dive into the Wolves game, yeah. right? Let's talk about it quickly. Let's let's talk about our lineup. I know um, we looked at it and we both texted each other. We were really happy to see Gusto start and then De Sassi Silva center back position against. And then I will keep harping on this Levi Colwell. I love him as an individual, as a player, but I hate him in that left fullback oh. position. Oh. Uh, Leslie Gachucco came back from injury, started the game for the first time. Connor Gallagher, Palmer, and Sterling on the wings. Jackson and Broja up top. It was almost like a hybrid 4 4 2, but I think we played as a back three, like a th- you know 3 5 2 sort of positioning when we were in possession and out of possession. I had no idea what we were doing, to be honest nice. with you. Uh, but yeah, Wolverhampton, uh, credit to them. They made a big tactical change in the first 20 minutes and it changed everything up because we were actually on the front foot the first 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, when I saw that lineup. I mean, I thought to I said it on the previous podcast, I would happily take a point at Molyneux on that day when I didn't see when I saw Caicedo's name missing. I thought this is going to be a long afternoon, and but yeah, to credit to the team, they started really well and they had again numerous opportunities to to take the game away from Wolves in that first twenty minutes, and even longer than that actually in that first half. And I don't think any Chelsea fan. Has ever quite experienced a moment like the Raheem Sterling miss when they were three on one with the goalkeeper with Palmer and Jackson yesterday? What was your instant reaction when that happened?
0: I I just, I was typing crazy messages in our Slack channel and just, I think I said, like, what an idiot. What is he doing? Who would do that? What selfishness or whatever? And uh, I mean, when you have Palmer, yeah, Nico was probably in an offside position, but Palmer's right there onside give it to him, it's a goal. And you go up 1-0, the whole game changes because Wolves will have to change their tactical setup as well. Everything changes if you go up 1-0. And we would have more opportunities on the counter, especially with the way Gusa was playing that in that game. And it was just, ah, oh, it was so pathetic. It was just, I thought, I thought Raheem was playing well in that first 20 mm-hmm. minutes up until that situation. And I was just thinking to myself, what was he thinking? Like, what, what were you thinking? Were you trying to be the hero? Were you trying to be selfish? Was there some sort of incentive to score and not pass?
1: What were you doing? I didn't say anything when it happened. I was so stunned by it. I think my rage came later, actually, when the game was finished. Because at the mo- that precise moment, I think everybody realized that we were going to lose that game. Because it didn't matter what chances we created. The, the script was written. And I've been a staunch defender of Raheem Sterling on this podcast in our private conversations. Yeah, you have. You have. I've been a big fan of him previously. It's not good enough. He needs to do better. No. And I don't want him seen starting anymore until he wins his place back.
0: I, and I think it has to do a lot with the whole makeup of this team, right? We talked about the ownership's new... Um, plan with Chelsea, going with youth, going with projects, buying up these young players. Whether it's Ugochukwu, Badia Shield Palmer, or whatnot, or these South American prospects, you know. Um, and then you have two individuals, Silva and Sterling, who ha- who bring that Premier League experience in this team. When you're in that leadership role, you have to demonstrate professional, you know, tactless on on the pitch and you have to also demonstrate your experience. And none of that was shown by him on the pitch. I mean, Silva does it day in and out. Yeah. He's prone to mistakes, but he's also 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Sterling, the wages that he's on currently, how much we paid for him, your job being a leader on this team is to show your willingness to do whatever it takes to win a game and and leave that selfishness, at home mm-hmm. and the fact that he did not pass that ball maybe you know you, you can't fault somebody split of a decision moment or whatnot maybe he didn't think he could make that pass maybe he thought he could score and had he scored we'd be like oh yeah whatever you know but it, it it's malpractice is what we call it yeah. in medicine
1: it's malpractice it's it's football malpractice i think that's an excellent description of it and i would say his role more than anything is to lead by example yeah that's what he has to do with this profile of player that we have in our team and what he displayed there was a lack of thought selfishness as you said a combination of lots of different things but inability to read the situation would was adamant that he knew that Palmer was next to him and he did not shift the ball and it just it's inexcusable and unacceptable and unforgivable actually Really, I think it's a blessing in disguise for Pochettino that he got banned for this game, actually, because I think if, he'd had start, if he hadn't if he had got suspended, which I think it was actually quite unfair that he did, but that's a sidebar. Yeah. I think there would have been fury at Stamford Bridge if he'd started today. And let's
0: talk about their, their their goal, basically. I mean, it was just a disaster, you know, and we knew that was going to happen, and I don't know what Uga Triku was doing in the box, man-marking, I don't know who was man-marking, but... Allowing you know them to score in this in an easy position was just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. The I mean, Lamina, second. you have to give it up. Lamina was phenomenal for the Wolves. I mean, that that They're he a good team. Yeah, They're and and team. he he reminded me of Musa Dembele, uh, Musa Dembele of Tottenham. Like was all over the pitch, was man marking, was taking you know incredible tackles. Was on the defensively was very very good, but also ball progressing was amazing. Yeah. And I was like this is this is like the center. They're, they're sorry, the defensive mid that we need at Chelsea. Yeah. You know,
1: all right. I mean, he was all <laughs> over the pitch. He was so good. He was so good. Well, this is I think the wider point. They coached really well. Yeah, Gary O'Neill. Fair enough, man. He's doing a great job. He did a great job at Bournemouth last year. How many weeks did he have to prepare with this team? None.
0: None, right? No preseason. No preseason whatsoever. And Wolves should be way way above on the table, right?
1: They they literally should have six more points. I mean, they just beat Brentford 4-1 away from home today. That is an incredible result. Brentford don't lose like that at home. And I mean, this is the whole thing is that I think Wolves did do well. But again, we gifted them the win. We should have been out of sight in that first half. But the same mistakes were its ugly head again. And the second goal was just just terrible to watch. Baddy Shields, lackluster defending, and terrible touch and casualness on the ball. Just gave it, and the game over. And then it just dampened Christopher and Kunku's debut goal, which he took very, very yeah, well, to did. be honest. He did.
0: No, it was uh, when he came on the pitch, that was some of the bright spots that we saw in the game. Um, but outside of that, I mean, we just, again, dumb, dumb yellow cards, dumb mistakes. Um, I love Palmer. I don't know if that should have been a yellow card he gotten, but it was, it is what it is. You know, uh, we missed him for this game. I thought Nico Jackson had an awful, awful game. So did Brogia in in that game. I mean, how many times do we see Nico Jackson just poor first touches, not putting a shot on goal, not, not knowing what he was doing half the time.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to put that down to coaching. And I think this is – I put that defeat on Pochettino more than anything, and we'll talk about the coach at the end of – And it wasn't – yeah, it wasn't Gallagher's
0: best game either. I mean, what about Petrovic? you think he could have maybe done better on those two goals? I don't think so. No, the first one was just poor think, on Ugo I don't think you put
1: any blame on him for either of them. Yeah, and the second
0: one, he was just left on an island, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, it was just a bad first touch from Batty Shill. Again, another Batty Shill blunder. Yeah. Um, gave the ball straight to, you know, whoever it was that scored, and he got – I think it was Doherty that scored. Doherty, yeah, yeah. Doherty scored. Um, and he was just able to score that goal on a bad first touch. And then, you know, I mean, it could have been 1-1 had that not gone in and Kuka scored. But, yeah, no, we we were quick to forget about that game. Simon <coughs> and I were always text or whatnot. And th-
1: that game was kind of rough on you, huh? Yeah, I hated it. I hated every single second of it. It was so predictable. This is the whole thing. I mentioned to you previously that – if we can predict what's happening why can't the coach see what was happening and in terms of my the bigger picture at chelsea it made me question everything again and like just because it's the same mistakes it's the same problems it's the same things going on and just the stats that people came out with afterwards about chelsea being the bottom of the premier league of the current teams who hadn't been relegated or pr- promoted in the last in 2023 with as many points per game it's shameful very when I saw that the graphics I mean the top 17
0: teams you can't talk about the teams that left you know when they got relegated but being number 17 and actually I saw another stat if you take all the top 5 leagues and we were like
1: third from bottom yeah and the whole top 5 leagues in all of Europe I mean this is the whole thing it's like People, uh, this is where my head was at. It's slightly different today because obviously off the back of a (laughs) win, you take it. But also just from being more calm around the situation, I was like, people keep telling me to be patient and saying this team needs time. And and as as a concept, I agree. But I was like, in any other realm of the world, business where our owners master, obviously because they're billionaires, this is just an abject failure, taking an institution that was riding high, whether it was it was imperfect, of course it was, but seeing where it had dropped, I just got into a real bad headspace with it. I was just like, I think I've lost my faith in Chelsea. To me, this is Chelsea in name only because I don't trust what's going on here. And yeah, happy Christmas, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> happy Christmas. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to today's game. Uh, we
0: knew that there's going to be some rotation given that Palmer and Sterling were gonna both be out for yellow card accumulation. Ugachu apparently got injured again, same hamstring injury that plagued him before last match, so he's gonna be out of the game. Kaiseto hopefully would have been back. You know, I think he was out for illness, not really yeah. muscle fatigue or anything like that. And it's probably the best thing to be honest. Yeah. So the lineup came out this morning and we saw a starting lineup of Petrovic and goal. Silva dropped. I think it was probably for more rotational mm-hmm. aspects of it. Batty De Desassi starting in the center back position. Colwell and Gusto Ga- Caicedo and Gallagher. Ian Matson on the lineup. I was surprised to see that. And Cuckoo, happy to see him start. Mudrick and uh, Nico Jackson. When I first saw the lineup, and we both texted each other, we saw okay, Matson's playing with Colwell, with Batty shield, with Desassi, with Gusto. Are we playing a back three with Matson in a wing back position? And are we playing Gusto on the right wing back position or is it gonna be a traditional back four? And I was hoping it was gonna be a back three with your wings of Gusto and Matson sort of playing in, in the overlap or the forward position, but no, it was again Cowell left full back position, Battyshoth Desossi center back position, Gusto on the right, and Matson on the fucking right wing. The right wing. A left full back player on the fucking right wing. What are we doing? Sorry, sorry. I'm. Sorry. I have to go into this. What are we doing?
1: I don't think it's a question of what we are
0: doing. Yeah. I think it's a question of what the fuck Pochettino yeah. is doing. Like
1: literally, he was
0: absent for most of the match. I talked to Matthew, who's our president of the MCB. I was like, "Hey, where's Matson in the first twenty? I mean, we we're doing okay, but I was like, has he even touched the ball? What, His, what's he doing?
1: I had a quick look at statistics, and they were damning. They were damning, really but, Like. One zero zero jaws gave like he had like 30 percent pass i feel like
0: gusto was playing on both yeah exactly well he did. set up the goal for the left <laughs> yeah, wing exactly didn't I,
1: he? I, I this I, is the whole thing I, i'm trying to practice what i preach here about not uh, going in on the lineup before we yeah. see what happens but when you see that i was about to text you just before we conceded the goal actually i was like getting into my real delusional stage <laughs> when we were winning i was like with the way that we are playing, I can see the logic of playing Kuo at left back because we are just overloading one of the sides and that's where the goal came from. And yeah. Gusta was moving so far forward that you need that defensive stability on the left side. I was in real delusional mode <laughs> at that point. I was like, okay, now I've drunk the Kool-Aid yeah. again. I've drunk Canian. the Kool-Aid. I'm, he's pulled me back in. He's yeah. pulled me back in. But like, I think it just says everything that Matson, who hasn't started for Chelsea this season... Who is a left back. His first start for us is in a must-win game playing right wing. I was just like, this is the new Chelsea.
0: I mean, if you're going to play somebody in the right wing, fucking play Nani. He's on the bench. He came on, had a great game.
1: Play him at right wing.
0: Play a right winger at right wing.
1: Yes. I think we're going to talk about the manager shortly. Yeah go back to the game <laughs> sorry i know <laughs> we okay. i just got really animated man. no no i enjoyed it i enjoyed it but save yourself manny yeah. save
0: yourself. I, I mean okay let's just kind of go the first half the actually game. we did play really no, we well did, we, we, we did we play really well we were we we're leading the xg mudrick i mean michael mudrick was all i thought i actually thought Nico jackson played really well in the first half as well as yeah. well he had a great hold up play he had great ball ball, uh, ball progression he was building up play really really well him and Cuckoo, you can see how well their creativity is with each other and with Mudrick, how we looked at in in the preseason as well. I think that's going to be building up to actually being a much better partnership moving forward. Mudrick was fantastic. I mean, I know he scored that first goal. He had a chance to score a second goal, but his pace. I mean, he was taking Klein to school on that on that left side, and was even Lermo. I mean, they had no idea what to do with him on that on that on that side, and he was playing so well. Caicedo, I thought, had a great first half up until that last minute or yeah. two in the first half. Connor Gallagher, I, I think, was was actually fantastic as well. And Gusto, I mean, he was all over the pitch that first half. You know, all of our buildup came on that right side. I showed you the pass map yeah. before we started this podcast. Everything was being built on that right side. And Gusto shows you why that was probably one of the most important signings given the
1: instability of having Reese James playing for us. Yeah. On a consistent basis. I think the sporting directors should take note for our left back position. Yeah. Probably. Well it doesn't matter.
0: When yeah. we have three healthy left backs, we're still gonna play Colewell on the left yeah. center back. Yeah. I mean this no, is what happened it's... at the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. You have Cucurella, that's healthy, you have Chilwell that's healthy, you have Matson that's healthy, but we still play Cole.
1: We're not gonna go Yeah it, no, no no no. Sorry. But yeah <laughs> it's difficult to not get away from it, <laughs> yeah. isn't it. I I think yeah the first half, first of all Mudrick, there's a player in there, isn't there? I've been critical of Pochettino in terms of the players' development within our squad. You can see that Mudrick is developing and he's getting more experience. He's making some really good choices. He took his goal excellently. It was a very calm finish. It's a similar finish that he fucked up at Old Trafford last season when the ball came yeah, across him. right too. him. And he did it perfectly this time. You have to say, Christopher Nkunku elevates our team to a different level and i think that plays in with mudrick as well because i saw the 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 patterns between him and Nkunku and he just Nkunku just makes himself available yeah. with confidence that you you know that where he's going to distribute the ball properly and he just you can tell that Pochettino had built this team to play around Nkunku and the backup Chukwameka, getting injured means that he can't play that profile anymore and i think he got a bit stuck but if we he played saw, really well. Yeah, the if you first saw, in, you
0: know, if you saw Nkuku on the pitch, not just his, you know, his creativity, but also his presence. I mean, if you saw during the game, Anderson, Gahey, Richards, they were all keeping an eye on Nkuku where yeah. he was on the pitch. Uh, Richards tried to keep man marking him in part of the first half. You know, it's like, all right, we we've got to keep an eye on this guy because he can drop into the in the midfield, kind of help build up with play. And then Jackson did a good job b- dropping in as well yeah. and help ball progress. And so he had a lot of space to create as well, and that kind of led to that first goal with Gusto coming in to Nkuku, back yeah. to Gusto, back to Mudrik. Because if you saw the game, Jackson was occupying a lot of space and dripped from one of the center backs. So I think, all in all, great first half. Mudrik had a chance to score a second one as well. Would have been nice, nice yeah. pass into him and a yeah. nice goal. Uh, but, you know, I think it was just a great by the goalkeeper on yeah, that side. definitely. And, and Nkuku
1: missed the... Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that was just a whiff. Yeah. Uh I, I texted in the Slack group every
1: back to the striker's curse. <laughs> I think that was meant for me, wasn't yeah, it? More it than was. anyone. It was. I think it was. it's I think if it's another couple of weeks down the line he buries that. Yeah, I think
0: it was also and that showed you the versatility of Jackson, you know, outside of him actually shooting what one of the trademarks of Jackson is, and we saw that when he played in Spain, was his ability to progress the ball in his speed his agility and, and, and finding the individuals and making good passes for the most part, that's the part of the Jackson that we don't see in the other strikers we had. It's his finishing that's lacking. Like, If I can just take Giroud's finishing or Diego Costa's
1: finishing and put it on Nico Jackson, we'd have a complete striker. I think the criticism of Jackson has been incredibly harsh.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think... Well, I mean, I'm I'm part of that criticism. I was very harsh in him
1: in our private conversations after the last game. I get that. But I, 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 listen, I have been critical of him as well. But I think you have to look at his profile. He's 22 years old, right? He has hardly played striker Throughout his career, yeah, it's only been the last six year. months and there's a lot of pressure being put on his head and like he's making mistakes and he's erratic. You see glimpses of things that he does really well. In that first half I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Really his hold up play was sensational within Kunku and Madric. I really thought he was excellent and I'm not ready to give up on him. No, I, I, I don't think anybody's giving up on him. I mm. think it also... I think a lot of people are. Well,
0: I, I mean, part of me, probably last week, I was probably going to yeah. give up on him or, you know, Christmas Eve. But I think my whole issue is, is if, you know, when we talk about, and we'll probably talk about this maybe on this part or the next, you know, what our January tar- targets are, it just still shows that we do need a experienced Premier League striker on this team. Yeah. We do. If you think about, we're one of, we're, what, the top two teams that have created the biggest chances in the Premier League. We just have horrible finishing. If we have a top Premier League proven striker, we would be scoring more goals. Yeah. We would be scoring way more goals. Let's talk about that uh, Elise goal. Uh, You know, we knew, I mean, I think in the pub we were talking about, let's just get to half 1-0, let's just get to the half 1-0. And it was just a calamity of errors. And this is what Chelsea does. It's every single time, and you mentioned a lot in the last podcast, whenever we give up a goal, it's one of those stupidest goals that we give up just based on how many fucking errors we commit
1: that progresses to that goal being scored I have no problem conceding when it's a well developed goal because and it's not it's one defensive mistake because generally that's how goals come people don't yeah. defend perfectly all the time when it's a catalogue of errors or such a fundamental mistake like the 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 go, first goal against Wolves where it was just No marking in the middle. This goal was just... The players were already in the tunnel at half-time. They'd switched off. Baddie Shield, poor. Colwell, poor. Kaiseido is the main oh, culprit. Man.
0: What was he looking? He he saw the player. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to worry about this blank space over here that there's nobody there. Like, he looked like,
1: at yeah, Elise as well. Yeah. He looked at him, followed him, and just let him go. Yeah, just, just let, let him go.
0: go. And I think he thought that Colwell was not going to move into the box, yeah. man-marking uh, whoever that was, uh, maybe uh, Mateta. I don't know who that yeah. was in the box. he quite well, actually, I And then Elise had the open spot, and boom, nothing really Petrovic can do. And this is why Chelsea was going after Elise, because because he's generally a very good player.
1: He was excellent
0: today. Yeah, he was very, very good. He probably was their best player, I think.
1: Yeah, and And I think, actually, we'll talk about the second half in a bit, but a tactical change that Pochettino did make, which I thought nullified him, actually. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. But the goal, just a nightmare to concede, and everyone just deflated – not just the stadium but yeah. i think the entire fan base because no, like
0: we were deflated also and it was just one of the situations that this is what we do i mean we did it against city we could give up a goal right before you know halftime we did it this game we did it other games as well and we need to sort of you know just see out these games in the, in the in, in especially in the half going into halftime with a lead at least once yeah. you know you would think that coming out of half with Potch's halftime speech, maybe we would have some a better showing, but we looked dismal in the mm. first 15, 20 minutes after, after, in, in the second half. We were probably possessing the ball more, but they had three or four more opportunities to score than we did.
1: Yeah. I think this is go back to the first half. I think Palace started brighter, but I think we allowed them onto us a yeah. little bit. The second half, we just looked. Disheveled. Disheveled. I mean, yeah. we're
0: literally we're I thought we were playing with ten men with and and no hate to Ian Mattson. Listen, played well for Burnley last year. This is no criticism to him as an individual. But when you play somebody out of position, not from like left center back to left fullback or left wing to a ten position or whatnot.
1: You're talking about left fullback to right wing. You've literally moved into the complete yeah, opposite diagonal. side. Of the pitch. I think the worst thing you do is put like a striker in goal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like uh, the the next worst thing you can do. Yeah, we were playing with ten men. Yeah, at parts of the second half. Yeah, the first round of changes did nothing. But no. actually, in the palace looked very dangerous for that moment on. The key moments of the game actually in the second half because I think we got gained control as soon as it happened when he moved Gusto to left back because Elise didn't get a sniff after that. No, you're
0: right. Gusto Gusto was marking him very very well. And I thought the game actually changed when he brought on Broja and Nani at the 75. And minute. Lavia, I think Lavia yeah. did excellently. Yeah. I th-
1: really, I think considering he hasn't played football in 6 months, he didn't look off the pace at all. He looked yeah. composed. He looked like he looked like the player that you need at the base of that midfield because Gallagher was freed up up, up top and Yeah. I <sighs> I think I think Lavia is going to unlock Enzo. And Caicedo, I think. And
0: Caicedo, yeah. Um, no, I think when when Nani came on, and I I was in our private conversations, I've been pretty critical of Nani. Um, I think you mm-hmm. and I have been talked about it, and and he proved me wrong today. He was fantastic when he came on. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the pitch, and how the fuck. Did the ref not call that penalty right there? I it mean, was so it was obvious. so blatant. <laughs> Do you know what was, it was even more? So blatant, and then the announcers, yeah, yeah, VAR checked it. it. It checked complete. No,
1: no. Yeah, How yeah. What, what is a check complete? <laughs> it's a fucking foul. It's a foul. Do you know what's even like more disastrous about the call is that Palace almost scored on the yeah. counter attack. There was there was a four on two. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be a goal. This is <sighs> going to have to be a goal. And to
0: have saved us, man? Yeah, or whoever it was, but yeah, no, it was like. You have to call
1: that. You have to have courage to call that when it happens. Yeah, and then use VAR if it if it doesn't happen. I mean, it's, it was such a blatant foul. Oh. Like none of the Palace players complained. No, it was it just oh my god. And then
0: you know penalty. Yeah, let's let's circle back a little bit. Yeah, the, before that, let's talk about Nico Jackson, right? Let's talk about Nico Oof. Jackson and two different opportunities to score. It seems like the one that he should have scored, he fucking miffed it. And the one that he shouldn't have scored, he scored. It was just like, what's going on here? It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, I have no idea what's happening here. You know, it's like Two-Face, right? And Batman going back to Two-Face. Flip a coin. What are you doing? Like, you have to score on that first opportunity. And this is where the frustration from all the critics, whether it's online, at the pub, in our Slack channel of Nico Jackson he does the hard things very, very well. He does the easy things very poorly. And in that sense, you have to score there. That You, you, you are a striker. That is your job. You are brought onto the pitches as number nine. You had a fucking great ball put into you. That was a great ball. It was bro. a great ball put into you. Your job is to finish it. That is your job as a striker. Hoyland would have mop that up because he has had poor distribution <laughs> at yeah. Man You right? It took yeah. a bounce from uh you know from from the opposition for him to actually score his first Premier League yeah. goal. That is a goal you have to score.
1: Yeah. But this is got kind of going back to Mudric. This is what my criticism of Mudrick was. When he has time when he had time to think about it, he'd fuck it up. But when he did it impulsively, he would do brilliantly. Yeah. And I think this is what is with Jackson as well. Those two, dif- those, I mean, obviously the goal was disallowed for the second one, but everything he did in the build-up to that goal, the, the, the miss, was perfect. It was, it was. It was really good movement. The ball was excellent. He put himself into a position where the goalkeeper was not favourite to, to save it, and he just fluffed his lines. With the goal that was disallowed... He didn't think about it. He yeah. literally adjusted his body and just flicked it in and it was an amazing finish. Yeah, yeah, and that I was, was like fantastic. I was just thinking, like, but you fucking score that yeah. one.
0: But No, yeah. I knew I thought I knew it was offside at the pub, everybody was cheering. I was like, I think this is offside, guys. I really think it's offside. And then they said, Well, it got deflected. I was like, That doesn't mean shit in in this age of VAR and no. in, in, in I really thought it was miles off. No, he was offside. And it was sort of deflating given that okay, we had a chance to go ahead but then we got the penalty and what a cool calm finish by Nani it almost oh, reminded yeah. me of Jorginho yeah you know it was that sort of jump hop skip boom into
1: the right end of the goal yeah I, I, this is what i like actually about what happened today well for obviously the 3 points is yeah. obviously the most yeah. I mean, important but i've been critical of Madaweke as well but he is the right option that went for that game today and i don't know why he didn't start and what he's done is forced Pochettino to think about it. Yeah. Which is the same way that Sterling got banned. So he had to think, okay, what am I going to do on the left? What am I going to do on the right? Within Cuckoo there, do I play in Cunku? Do I unleash Mudrick? Mudrick has to start every game on the left wing. Yeah. And I think if Palmer is not playing on the right, Matterway has to start. Yeah, I, th- on the right. I think your top
0: top four is in Cuckoo in the 10th 10 position, Nico Jackson as your striker. I think you have to put Mudrick and um, Palmer, Mudrick and Nani in. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's, what, that's what I would do. Mattson just, shouldn't be playing at right uh, wing. And
1: just play two-man midfield. Yeah, uh, this is the thing. I think Matson's going to be sold anyway because he's clearly not trusted as a left-back for whatever reason. So if that's the case, you have to get rid of him because he's not good enough to play attacking midfield.
0: I didn't I didn't watch Burnley that much. I don't know how what he was in the defensive side of the ball. I thought from the goals he was scoring, he was pretty good on the offensive side. That's championship, so, though, yeah, isn't it? but yeah, but I just, I mean, and they were willing to pay a pretty p- penny for him to bring him back in, in the preseason before the league started. So yeah, I think he has to be sold. Listen, academy product. I have, no, I wish him nothing for the best, and this is not sort of criticism for him as a player. It's more criticism against a coach for playing him out of a position. We've had healthy left backs for Chelsea. Poch continues to play Colwell. again. No criticism to him as an individual. It's more of Criticism to the coach. I don't know what it, what it will take to actually have us play a left wing, left fullback. Game one, Cuc- uh, Chilwell started with Colwell, and we thought it was going to be a back three against Liverpool. No, Chilwell played in the left wing. Go, moving forward, did the same thing when Chilwell got hurt, moving forward. Cucurella was on the pitch. We thought, oh, okay, Cucurella's going to be on the left. A sassy right fullback. No, no. Cucurella played right fullback. Colwell continued to play left fullback. Like, what? I just, I mean, I, I actually turned to Sloop and Bowen at the bar, and I asked myself, is, is this a mole? Did, did Pacino come into Chelsea as a mole? mole. Yeah, because when he brought in Gilcrest after we went ahead, I was just like, is he wanting Crystal Palace to score an equalizer? <laughs> <laughs> and no criticism to Gilcrest. I was just like, what's going on? This is like the Q, QA on so about that, pressure that came out. yeah. Like for, Just like, you know, that's that's what happened last past year when we were losing so many games. I was like, what's going on? But no, just your thoughts, and I think this is probably a good spot for me to ask you this question. You were a big Pochettino fan when he first got hired. In the first couple podcasts, we talked about it, and you convinced me that he'd be a great hire. What are your thoughts about
1: Pochettino? My thoughts on Pochettino is that if we lost today, I wouldn't be calling for him to be sacked but if I woke up tomorrow morning and he told me he'd been fired I wouldn't have cared not one iota I still think he's a great manager and I can see the logic of the appointment he has to be doing better he has got a wealth of talent at his disposal and you can say he's got injuries and I will take that into account but he is playing players out of position he is using erratic tactics and he's not helping this team develop in the way that he should be he has to be doing better Really, he has to be. I think th- this team at the moment needs stability. It needs stability everywhere because the club is being run in a way that it's 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 making us unstable. And I think he needs to help himself and help the team and help the fans because it's it's easy for the it's not going to be difficult for our fans to turn on him. He's an ex-Tottenham manager who symbolised a successful period in, in inverted commas for for Spurs. Yeah, and. He just I, I I think he just needs to be overthinking things less and playing players where they should be playing.
0: Yeah, I think my criticism for him, you know, I think obviously I, I'm no I'm no coach. I don't have the I, I don't I don't have the pedigree of coaching any sort of soccer whether it's youth pee wee or premier league or whatnot. <laughs> but and I think but what I what I notice is just like common sense, right? Like when you have a fit right winger on the bench but you put a left fullback in the right wing position like what are you doing what are you doing when you have three healthy fullbacks this is you know not the current injury crisis we have but in the beginning of the year three healthy fullbacks left fullbacks but you continue to start levi cola because you always claim about height height we need height on set pieces yet we still fucking concede on <laughs> set piece exactly. Goals, exactly no matter what our set piece defending is atrocious it's atrocious and I, i'm surprised didn't score from a set piece today yeah given the opportunities they had i think tactically speaking you have to be better you have to be better and yeah granted i'll give you some I'll give you some leeway Poch. yeah you you have faced an injury crisis that no other team has faced this year in the premier league and i'm not talking about fucking man you any of those motherfuckers <laughs> they have not faced what we faced with the the, the the turnover of the team and what we face in our fullback position, our wide players. But when, when they're healthy, use common sense. Use common logic. You saw the pass map. Nothing was being created on our left side. And how many times have we said that this year in all of yeah. our games? Nothing was being created on our left side. And then when DeSassi came on right fullback, nothing was being created on the right. You know, Kukuro's on the left. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's just we way, man. We We just have no identity on our wings, and yeah. If you're going to play centre-backs that can distribute the ball centrally, that's fine, but we don't have that right now.
1: No, I think there's a couple of things that could be at play here. First of all, strategically, I'm trying to think of the logic behind it, that by playing a centre-back in the full-back position and then a full-back on the other side, you are essentially overloading one area of the pitch to such a degree that you are making it impossible for that those players defending to get out. Which is fine if they can't if they don't distribute the ball better. But Palace played out of it eventually because they learned how to deal with it. The second thing that I might think is going on is there's a disconnect between the coach and the sporting directors in terms of the profile of player that we have. I wonder if Pochettino didn't have a huge amount of influence in terms of the trans the the players that were brought in, in terms of the players he's using now in the way that he's using them. Why would he use Ian Mattson as a right winger if Noni Maluweke is, is fit and available? Because there's certain things about Maluweke that Pochettino doesn't want currently. Maybe Malawake can play his way in. That's a big if. I think that there. this might be a bigger problem at the club that we're talking Do about Do you think here. that he got some message
0: from the sporting director's ownership to give Mattson minutes for a potential sell in, in, in
1: January? Possibly. I don't think you can rule that out. I think people need to, they needed to remind people that Matson is a football player. Not they would have seen that today because yeah. he was fucking invisible.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is my thing also. I will give you a point on overlord on the right side. But when you talk about Chelsea for the last season, for the last half season, we have been very leaky from goals on the left side and Colwell's side. Because Colwell is not a natural left fullback position. His man-marking, he thinks, as a left center back, not as a left fullback. He doesn't have the help that he traditionally would have in the left center back position from the left fullback. We are giving up a lot of goals on that side. You can blame Caicedo for the goal. That's fine. But still, there is not that stability on the mm-hmm. left side that you would see with a Chilwell on that side or a Cucurella on that side or a Marcus Alonso on that side at all. The fact that you're not adding any defensive presence on the left side and nothing attacking moving forward it's a mute point you're mm-hmm. giving me nothing on defense you're giving me nothing moving forward why even play him there yeah if if, if that's if you want to put the in mass in there at least madison will give us some ball progression overlap on the left side he may be dismal on defense but we're not getting that from Cole anyway
1: yeah exactly so you might as well try it yeah. right yeah i think this is the thing going back to pochettino i think there's a uh he freezes I think he freezes in certain moments where in terms of like taking the conservative approach rather than pushing and there's a real lack of control in any of our games that we have. We might look dangerous going forward but we're always likely to concede and I I don't like that and listen, I want him to turn it around. I believe he can do it. I really do. I'm I'm not giving up on him but I think that a lot of our fans have.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I think this is more of sort of like a testament of our, fa- our our fans and the expectations of what Chelsea Football Club is and what they expect to do is they, we expect to win. And we talked about this in multiple pods. That mindset has to change in terms of the turnover on the management position. Yeah. Because we can't just go out and buy Premier League proven players. Our sporting director and our ownership has decided they don't want to do that. They want to kind of go this sort of – grassroots yeah. academy build up young players long contracts to have that stability in the future so there are going to be some growing pain and we mentioned that multiple times in the podcast and the previous episodes you know you're going to not get the help with premier league proven players but at least try to play players in their natural position yeah. then. at yeah. least do
1: that and stubbornness it's yeah. real stubbornness and i have to say Going back to Colwell, because I, I firmly believe he's one of the best centre-back prospects in Europe. Baddy Shield has looked very shaky since oh, coming back from yeah. the injury. At the moment, I think our strongest back four, if you were to play players in their actual positions, would be Gusto right-back, Thiago Silva, Colwell, There's two centre-backs to play Mattson as the left, yeah. left-back. left The current players are available, the pool of players that he has. That's how I would do it. Who was your man of the match? Oh, obviously Malagusta 100% yeah. I mean
0: yeah. you, I don't think anybody can choose anybody else no he was it's not even close all over the pitch yeah. response for the first goal was also incredible in defensive aspect on, on, on a break that Palace had in the first half stopped it and blocked it very very well all over the pitch the fact that in that goal that we scored in the first half he was on the right side and moved to the left side and was able to put it in for Mudrik
1: amazing player of the match man of the match yeah same I've got nothing to add amazing and what a player! And he's very, very young as well. I twenty think. years old. Yeah, twenty years old. So real, right, real maturity position. in his position and playing at left back as well. <laughs> <with> like <laughs> he played one well left yeah. back position, you know. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, right-footed and left back, it's pretty hard. Yeah. At least I didn't have a. As soon as Gusto went over there, At yeah. least I was just marked out of the game.
0: That brings us to the match coming up in three days. <sighs> Luton Town going down to Kenilworth Road. You, you said you'd never been to Kenilworth Road, right? You've never no, been down there, unfortunately right? Fortunately not. Um, I've experienced Luton Town. We talked about them in the past when they played. They're a huge rival with Watford. I've been to the yeah, yeah. area as well. Went to a game up there. God, people in Watford hate Luton
1: Town. Hate it's them. not exclusive to Watford. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, six, 6 thirty a.m. game over here local time. Paul Tierney is going to be refing the game. Obviously,
1: uh, thoughts about that game. I will be amazed if we don't lose. I'll be amazed. It's just. The way that things are going at the moment. Our home record has improved massively, which, to be honest, is more important for a young side to start not losing at home and fighting back and winning at home. We just shit the bed when we're playing away from home and the way Luton are riding high at the moment and they look dangerous. I mean, the games that they've lost at home as well, they should have probably got a point in every single one. And the way that the stadium is and... How youthful our team is and being put under pressure from their fans that close up, I would be happy with a point. I think this is a. I
0: think this is a must win. I'm sorry, this is it is you know, a must uh, win. As, but I don't as, see as it much happening as, as much as Luton Towns actually played much better than they have since the beginning of the season. This is a side that does, has zero investment compared to our side. We have better players. We have a more experienced coach. Anything but a win is inexcusable, in my opinion. I even away, even away. I agree, especially but with, I don't think it's yeah, going to happen. No, I'm just saying, especially with Palmer and and Sterling coming off of having a break, this game, we have the players. I don't know about the left fullback position, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have the players. It's a must win, and if we don't win, it would be very very disappointing going into the new year. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're going to win. Uh, I'm going to say two zero.
1: I think they'll score. From a set piece because they're very dangerous <laughs> to set pieces. <laughs> yeah, they are. Right? And we're terrible at set pieces. This is yeah. this is why I don't think we're gonna win, really, because their strengths and you know Ross Barkley's gonna have a huge yeah. influence on their oh, no, victory. Oh, no. um, I, I
0: think I think the caicedo Barkley matchup is gonna be key in this game.
1: I'd start Lavier as well. He looked yeah. good. He looked really good. And I think Lavier I, I, I think
0: you have to play Gallagher though. I mean, would yeah. you start you start a three-man midfield of Gallagher, Lavia, and uh,
1: and Caicedo? Yeah, because I don't think Enzo's fit, as he? So no, he's not.
0: But then, okay, so if you... St- or
1: let's, let's actually talk about this. Who's your starting lineup, then? My starting lineup would be... Not not what you want. <laughs> what do you think? What do <laughs> I think is going to happen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Nicholas Jackson in goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Petrovic up front. Yeah. Alfie Gilchrist left wing. Yeah, with Energizer Bunny. That's a funny nickname for him. <laughs> yeah. The Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Taking off the mantle from Conor Gallagher. Yeah, he did. So, what... Uh, The the sensible approach that I would start with against Luton would be Petrovic in goal, right-back of Gusto, Thiago Silva and Levi Colwell as centre-backs. And I would play Matson as left-back, even though Poch doesn't want to do it. A three-man midfield of Caicedo, Lavia and Gallagher. And Kunku, Mudrick. And Palmer as a false nine, maybe. Because he played well against Manchester City in that position. Because I don't trust Jackson or Broya. All right, so this is what this is what I think is going to happen.
0: I think we're going to see Gusto right fullback. I think we're going to see a center back pairing of um, Silva and Desassi We're going to see Colwell left fullback position. We're going to see a midfield of Connor Gallagher and Caicedo, and then we're going to see a um, Sterling Palmer and Cuckoo and Jackson. I think that's, I what's think that's yeah. Right? I think that's, that's pretty small <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just I think you have to drop Batty Shiel. I mean I love him but I, th- I just think that he's hes I mean he's made three big mistakes and it's all it's led to three goals
1: and Luton is the team where they're gonna harry him Yeah, and like it's gonna be and
0: especially away and I think start Batty Shield at home fine away he yeah. he, can, he looks a little rocky
1: yeah I agreed but let's hope that we can take four away defeats on the bounce yeah. actually now and we, we haven't won in a while on away yeah. game this, this been a is hot painful. second yeah but need to, end the, need to end the year on a high they have to Otherwise, people are going to deflate it going into 2024, and we need to turn it around.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Again, thank you all listeners for tuning in each and every single week to Chelsea Against the seeing Simon and I rant, or listening to Simon and I rant, not see yet. Uh, we do have some pretty amazing big news for us. Uh, you want to talk about this, Simon?
1: Yes, so uh, the, yes, some very exciting news. NBC are bringing their Premier League FanFest to Nashville, Tennessee on April 6th and April 7th. Which is a huge thing for the city here. Um, I think Manny will take some credit for for encouraging them to come to Nashville for their next fan Fest from their tw- from his tweeting.
0: Yeah, I've been tweeting them hard press uh, <laughs> from our Music City Blues Twitter account, and I don't think it's worked. But hey, I'll take yeah, credit. Well, yeah, you know? it,
1: I think it worked enough because the hosts are going to bring their pepper That's right, spray. Exactly. So, exactly. No, but it's it's really exciting times, and we've as a as a Chelsea fan club in Nashville, we've got a lot of things planned, and as a podcast, this is a dream for us to have the Premier League. Bring their, you know, their their big U.S. staple show to here, and it's going to be a really fun weekend. Yeah, with it, t- please things, uh,
0: tune into our Twitter accounts, CATW Podcast at CATW Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok uh, to learn more about that. Also, please follow us on Music City Blues because uh, the, you know, our president Matthew Terrio and a couple of us on the board are going to be having some incredible events before that Friday night and also during the weekend as well. So we want to turn the city blue. We want Nashville to be blue, right? Cowboy hats, you know, uh, (laughs) boots. You know where your studded uh, bushwhackers, your gem studded uh, skinny jeans, right, Simon? <laughs> <Yeah>. And <you're laughs> country music, chats exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we'll be singing uh, a lot of our country music while hopefully seeing the
1: blue. I think they're playing Sheffield that weekend. Yeah, well, they are. They are away from home. Yeah, be, so be fun uh, it'll be a fun
0: time. We would please encourage all of our listeners, whether abroad or here in the states, to come visit us that weekend. Come celebrate with us that Friday night at the Tailgate Brewery and we're going to have a blast.
1: Yeah, and we'll have some some more details coming up. So as Money said, please do follow us. Also, please do give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. I hope you all have a fantastic New Year's Eve. I think we'll be back after the after the losing game, probably in the first couple of days of the new year. But uh, we look forward to bringing you more content in 2024. hope everyone has happy holidays and happy new year.